Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Aspirant. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and outlook of analytics and data science. We use an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, and tool advancements related to data science and analytics. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Mark Tabladio, lead data scientist from Microsoft, and we're talking about making analytics actionable. Welcome to Tag Data Talk. Thanks, Beverly. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's start off with um, understanding your background a little bit. Tell us why you're so cool. Sure, thanks. And uh, I live in Atlanta, and I earned my doctorate from Georgia Tech in a quantitative area, and have been working in the analytics field uh, for for several decades now. Uh, I'm my role now at Microsoft. I help clients with solutions, and uh, this whole topic today about making analytics actionable is a central focus to my role. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So when we talk about um, analytics, period, in the in the you know just for what we're talking about today in this context, what do we mean by that? Are we talking about dashboards? Are we talking about data science? Um, help us understand. Sure, and I think just for today's discussion, we'll we'll frame analytics a little bit more broadly. We are thinking about dashboards or deployments. We're thinking also about apps that might consume analytics or be part of legacy systems, but we're also thinking about data science, we also might be thinking about analytics that's not necessarily advanced, but still important and essential, and then also data stores, some of the new technologies we have that are tuned for analytics specifically. Got it. Very nice. Um, So if that is what we mean by analytics in this case, who would be the, the people that are involved who are the consumers of the analytic and the producers and that sort of thing? Right. So at Microsoft, we've developed a framework and which represents our point of view at approaching analytics or artificial intelligence, and it's called the Team Data Science Process. And mm-hmm. that information is just on the web. It's just a framework. It's really a restatement of the scientific method. And when we talk about the players, so first of all, the process in, in terms of analytics, we're thinking science and we're thinking about an analytics system being part of a science investigation. Mm -hmm. And we can unroll that as we're going along. But um, we're talking about the players or personas. In our framework, we think about the sales folks uh, that may be involved or people who are business sponsors. Uh, We may think also about solution architects or technical architects that are involved, business architects. Uh, we think about managers, maybe an engagement manager who may, may be ma- or project manager who might be managing the process. Mm-hmm. Then we get into other roles such as business analysts, data engineers, data scientists may be involved. Mm-hmm. And then as far as deployment, we may get into DevOps and application developers. So you know, we see that list here. We And I know so, so many of these listeners, they may find themselves in one or more of these roles right. in their regular profession. They may have one of these titles, but they may find themselves in several of these roles. Okay. And I'm assuming those titles are relatively loose. It's more about the function that they're executing. Right. It's more about the function. Okay. So following a general um, sort of scientific method, but applied in a different kind of way, Right. that's what Microsoft has adopted. And then uh, different types of um, players along the way that maybe request, you know, solving a business solution with data. Um, then you have those that may maybe execute on it and then consume. 
and um, hopefully even improve. Right. So there's different, it sounds like the supply chain and along the life cycle of the analytic um, development and solution is um, many people involved, potentially. Potentially many people involved. The type of projects that our team typically will be involved with yeah. will have at least three people, maybe eight or even more. Oh, um, wow. I know some of our larger projects have dozens of people, and um, some of those projects are shared on our website, as they are for many major companies, kind of outlining what they do and what our ad value was. Got it. Very cool. Um, how do we know when an analytic is actionable? Like, how do we, what do we see? How does that manifest itself? If, if, an, if we develop something, I can tell you from this side of the table, um, being a data scientist or mostly marketing analytics for most of my career, but that you, you build something and you think, oh, this is so valuable. They're going to love it. <laughs> and then they don't always use it. Right. So how do you know when something is developed and it's going to get used or that it did get used? Right. And this is such a, this is such a key question and key to our topic today. Uh, we do like to have that conversation right up front with mm -hmm. a business sponsor. And of course, and the, in our case, we are talking about sponsored projects that may, may be quite expensive. Uh, so at the beginning, we're thinking about who are the personas as we outline some of them today and also what are their use cases. So use case speaks to how do we think they are going to use it? What types of action? Are they just going to monitor? Are they going to do something new? And I'll give an example. So we did a project with a uh, organization that sells new cars. Mm -hmm. And their question was, if I were the manager of a local dealership and I had 15 cars to order, which one sh should I order? Which models and with what options? Mm -hmm. And of course, this is not really about personal preferences. This is mostly about answering a business question of how to get the uh, cars sold. So the action would already be implied in the in the question. So we we know that up front, and it may guide uh, some points where there may be some choices in how to store the data, mm -hmm. how frequently to offer these recommendations, how correct do they need to be, and with what dollar value. So the actionability then gets tied to perhaps dollar value or usage. Ah, oh, nice. So an upfront conversation that sort of frames a problem more. Right. Um, do you hear, I mean, surely you do, because I know I definitely have. Do you hear people say, well, it would be, quote, nice to know, or we just want to learn, but they're not really saying they're going to do anything with it. So how do, right. you, how do you handle? And that's a fair question. And so in, in an organization, again, when we have a uh, sponsor there, someone who's going to actually pay the bills, yeah. uh, we would love to have in an, an ideal conversation representatives from these different use cases come to the table and express what is nice to know mm -hmm. and have this prioritization conversation about, first of all, what's most important? Mm -hmm. What are these business drivers that we have for our organization? And, you know, in the case of nice to know, some things might be there that are not immediately actionable. Right. But if, if a team's coming together to even invest just their time, even if they got the project for free. Right they know that they're going to have to invest something to get something out of this. So it does uh, require prioritization. And even, let me, let me add a few more words on nice to know. We've worked on projects where coming out of that type of meeting, we had a priority list mm -hmm. and we had a fixed budget. So what we uh, agreed to do, so we agreed to start at the beginning of the list mm -hmm. and work through it. And as far as we got is as far as we got, because right. we only have so much time and we only have so much resources. So having that priority uh, order helps clarify that we are 
working on the things that have the highest value or highest return. I was recently on a project where we had a list of six things, mm -hmm. and we got to four of them, and they were very happy with the four we got to. And they knew that uh, working with us, uh, they were able to um, do the last two on their own. So they were confident in being able to do that even beyond the scope of the particular project. Right. Got it. So on a successful analytic, when it's delivered and things go right and it gets acted upon, what do right. you see? What does it look like? Oh, it could look great. I mean, uh, I uh, recently did a project uh, with um, class estimations, and this was a project to see how many people would sign up for trade classes, trade mm -hmm. classes such as electrician, welder, plumber. And they they didn't know how much you know, dollar value might be expected. But in that case, you know, it was several thousand dollars per person, uh, which uh, was attached to how much, how valuable this information was to them. So they were, were our initial estimate was over a million dollars. And now they revise it up to $5 million. And that's just for 2017. So mm -hmm. it could turn into dollar value. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked earlier about the car example. So the car example can have a monetary price added. If we have a baseline um, case where you compare baseline with alternative. One thing I always like to do, you know, as we are talking about this now is always be clear, going back to the scientific language, yeah. what is the null hypothesis? Right. If we do nothing, what is the out likely outcome? And then if we're doing something new, then what would that outcome be? In some cases, we might not know, but you know, by running uh, some live experiments, taking the new advice, doing it in one area of the organization, maybe even on a limited scale, mm -hmm. and continuing to do business as usual if mm -hmm. people are not sure. In other cases, it's more clear that uh, whatever this analytics project is, is the correct way to go, and people are more confident about making um a quicker switch. But that call would not be, you know, for me and maybe consulting team, that would be primarily the organization sponsoring would decide that. Got it. Cool, cool. Um, so these all sound great. Like when you can deliver a high quality analytic, you give it to your client or your internal constituent and you say, okay, here's how you can reduce. We've been working a lot um, at Aspirant with my colleague, Steve Jackman. We've been working on Steve... Um, Steve and I on uh, safety analytics. And so if you can produce an analytic to say, hey, here's how you can reduce the number of safety incidents in your plant or in your retail environment, that's great. You can see that result. Mm -hmm. But what about situations where they just don't adopt the, they just don't adopt a solution. They just don't, they don't do anything with it except they say, oh, well, that's nice to know. That's great. I learned something. Sure. Why do you think that happens? What are the barriers? Right. And they, there could be several barriers and maybe we could unroll them as we go along. Uh, one, I do remember we did a project with a health organization and while we had a very strong sponsor and we had even a good outcome in terms of modeling and, and that was a concern, they were they were hesitant to adopt because he really was like the shining star mm. in, in the whole org. Uh, he had completely understood what was needed, but we didn't really have uh, or didn't work with him on more of a deployment story. Now, we would have. I mean, uh, we will have conversations with clients and we will, we will meet them where they are. And if that is within scope to consider that at the, at the outset, then we'll do that. And sometimes orgs will not bring up this topic because maybe they're not sure themselves. They're mm -hmm. not sure who or how uh, that would be adopted. So 
the, there, there may be some, you know, lack of clarity on their side. One of the challenges, and I, I know you've probably seen this in, in your work too, is that yeah, traditionally Microsoft has worked with a lot of IT departments. Mm -hmm. And now that we see more of an analytics focus, we are working with more what we call business units. Mm -hmm. And a business unit may or may not know how to work on an enterprise project with IT. They may know how to work with IT as a consumer, mm. but now they're they're transitioning to a new role of being a producer. And they may even be a sponsor on top of that. Got they're it. not just producing a solution, but also when I say sponsor, I mean financial sponsor. That their some of their budget is going to go to pay for some new, maybe big data solution. Mm -hmm. And IT will be the caretaker for the security. And now they'll have to work through, you know, what are the authentication procedures? Who's going to be using this? It could be pretty big. Right. And you have we have people again. When we say business units, that means they were professionals that were not taught IT, perhaps in college mm -hmm. or systems analysis. And these are not topics that are their uh, forte of why they are where they are. Got it. So. The if I if I kind of read between the lines a little bit, what I gathered was um, number one, there uh, it's not discussed up front. You right. talked about that some already before we even um, brought this this question up. Uh, second, the groups are too separated from each other. Maybe the data science and the business groups are not. You know, there's a wall there. Maybe Could be. it's not collaborating. Um, number three, you didn't say this directly, but it, it sounds like there could be some resistance to change, period. So right. you learn this cool stuff, you want to go do it, and there's resistance to change. Maybe things are going okay, right? and you're afraid to rock the boat a little bit. And number four, um, possibly these groups are not sure how to collaborate. Like, they haven't done anything together. Correct. And so not being able to collaborate, not really discussing it up front, um, a resistance to change just from the cultural side... And um, maybe they're too separated from each other. All of these things can prove as barriers right. for um, implementation. Does that seem like a fair, fair it, summary? It seems fair. And, you know, I think functionally when someone thinks about a list like this, obviously we could add many more yeah. items. But um, when we may go to a client, these are the types of things we may be looking, listening for. But we don't have like, you know, an exhaustive checklist of like, Dozens of things, this, 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 that that could be you know burdensome and overwhelming, but we we would ask, um, and we may have a point of view on where have we seen a solution like this work? Oh, right. Okay. So like a case study mm -hmm. um, could could uh, be important, or even a client may say, well, we want to do something that we've seen a similar organization do. Maybe they're in their industry or maybe they're not in their industry. Mm -hmm. So at least we have like a starting framework for conversation and then talk around the topics, talk around change management, talk around the technical, the technology issues. What mm -hmm. does it mean to own it? What mm -hmm. does it mean to upgrade or use it? What could we learn from that case study, you know, as far as the adoption process? How similar is it? There's not going to be any 100% match. Right. There's no silver bullet, no. is there? But no. but it sounds like some of the ways that you would overcome, um, you could use a case study and say, look, here's how they did it. This is how they overcome. They had some barriers, too, but um, this is what we can do, you know, to help you absorb your analytic and make it more actionable. Sure. Um, so we'll end with one final question, which is what final piece of advice would you give to an analytics professional really wanting to make their analytics more actionable? 
Sure. So I think um, one of the main things is just to continue learning. And along the lines of what I just said about the case studies, in terms of actionability, would be in paying attention to when and where uh, these um, stories are, are happening. Of course, we have this podcast here where people will be sharing some stories. And then if you see just a lot of news stories about different companies that are now implementing analytics in different areas, continuing to read, continuing to learn how people, what are the stories out there? Right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much, Mark Tabladio, lead data scientist from Microsoft, for talking to us about making analytics actionable as part of Tag Data Talk. Thanks, Thanks. again. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education, hosted by Aspirant. Have a great data set. 